Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Tuesday the 12th of April. Today, I'm joined by Mariana Sampson, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hey there, Mariana. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about you, Peter? Yeah, not too bad. So, um, what story did you find most exciting today? Um, today I had to go with M&S slashing their prices on everyday items. Yeah. And so this was um, obviously M&S. We all know and love it. Um, yeah. And it and it's just about kind of them listening to their customers and cutting some prices in the midst of everything getting more expensive. Yeah. And, um, I thought this was really interesting for for two reasons. First of all, um, I I just couldn't help but think who this is really targeting and who it will work for and who it won't be working for. So I think that their intention was kind of to recruit new customers and attract more people to M&S. And to be honest, I don't think that is going to happen. And I'll explain why. I think who this is going to work for is people who already go to M&S for whatever reason. Maybe they're really familiar with it. Maybe they don't have any other supermarkets around their areas or I also think there are some people that just refuse to not shop at M&S and Waitrose, which, um, I, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me, but I get it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then um, I think it's going to work to ma- to maintain their customers and have people keep going there, even though um, their cost of living are getting more expensive. So you would think that, you know, if your energy bills or if your um, fuel prices have been going up, considerably that you would kind of opt to cut costs somewhere else where you have a choice so instead of going to MS, you could go to little aldi but um i think by cutting prices especially on these essential items which is what people kind of go to MS for yeah. um i think that makes sense and i think that that was a really good move yeah. um but i don't think that those who are for example already shopping at tesco's or um little or asda are gonna switch to mns because they're decreased the their price on let's say baked beans or pasta because that is the the products that we're talking about yeah um and i think that mns is a very specific case because most people that go to mns they don't go to do their entire weekly food shop there yeah um and i think that they they go for kind of more specific items and then these could be the their own branded essentials. Uh-huh. And also, I mean, I hate to call them essentials because Wait Rose might slap another lawsuit on someone. But um, <laughs> I think, yeah, so I think that it was a really good move. I think that they're, they are really kind of listening to their customers and tailoring their needs to their the, the people that shop there. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with you. You said on the daily as well that MNS seems to be doing really well. So about a year ago, I remember everyone was kind of thinking, what is MNS doing? Like, they're not really doing that well. Um, and now you see them doing a lot of different things. Like, they they just cut their prices on these essentials. Or a few weeks ago, there was a collaboration with Costa and how they're now selling, like, sandwiches and things like that in, in Costa Coffees. And then there was, there's there's also more a, a bigger appeal to sustainability, I think, which is um 
is really appealing to some people. Like, for example, they introduced their eco-conscious women's wear brands recently. I think it was nobody, it's called Nobody's Child. And then you, they, you have that initiative where you can donate your old children's clothes and get a voucher that you can use in M&S, which um, was a really good idea as well, because what can you really do with children's clothes? And if you can benefit from giving them away, why wouldn't you? And then that it was a really good idea that benefits the customers, but also benefits them because you keep people in MS and then people keep coming to you as well. So um, I think that all of these things kind of point towards MS kind of listening to what their customers need and kind of doing a lot better than they were before. But I couldn't really help but wonder if this is just a bit in a grand scheme of higher competition in um, supermarkets. So I think that a lot of supermarkets are doing really well. Like, for example, Asda, they in the, the last week of March, they also slashed their food prices. And then um, they also reduced their fuel prices because in case uh, some people out there didn't know, Asda does sell fuel as well, which... I wasn't aware of until recently. Um, but yeah, and you know, with, with fuel prices increasing so much because of um, the war in Ukraine, now as you have Asda who is actually decreasing their fuel prices. So I think that everyone is kind of trying to listen to their customers. And the way that MS could differentiate them themselves and make it seem like, look, as we're really listening to you is by maybe targeting specific target audiences within their the general their general customers. So for example, and, and tailor these changes to people, to specific group, pe groups of people that they uh, know work there. So, uh, um, sorry, shop there. And so, um, yeah, I just think they must look at like certain demographic of customers. So for example, let's say it's, I don't know, well, it probably isn't students, but let's say it was students and then, or let's say it was office workers and then you have cheaper meal deals and things like that. So then you know that, you know, MS is really listening to me and really mm. listening to my needs. But mm. then if they did that, they kind of might risk um, becoming a department store, which a lot of people say, actually MS is a department store, um, but they just kind of brand themselves as a more general retailer but and they really don't want to do that because then they risk their shares falling as a department store instead of just a general retailer. So I thought there was a lot to unpack in the story. And I thought that it was a really interesting one. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, again, you make some very good points there. Um, I think, you know, M&S has been guilty for quite some time uh, of just being M&S, you know, just going, look, we're M&S, we're everywhere. Everyone knows who we are. Thanks very much. We'll just, you know, sit back and watch the customers roll in yeah. um and i think that it's been noticeable over the last year in particular how they have um certainly made some real effort to actually listen um to what is going on with their cu with customers um and try to give them reasons to shop there because um you know I, I, you know i've said this a lot because i know i've talked about mns a lot over, over the you know over the course of these god we're almost you know we're almost on 450 uh, episodes it's amazing isn't it okay. um it's kind of like but anyway um we you know over those 450 episodes i've definitely talked about mns yeah. a few times um and i would say that you know i mean i i've been fascinated by it because obviously you know when i was um Right back, right at the beginning of my um, stockbroking career, you know, I, 
there was a lot going on with M&S because um, a lot of change. And, and at that point, um, this was the point, because, I mean, this is probably before anyone, you know, before you were born and before a lot of people were born. It's, it's like, you know, there, there were there were no sub-brands in M&S. There was St. Michael. That was it. Mm. And then the rest of it, it. And then all this other stuff, um, like Autograph, like, oh, God, I can't. So there's, I mean, there were like Per Una. I mean, I don't know obviously i don't really go into i don't go into women's wear but you know like per una and uh oh god i'm trying to think and it's like blue oh god i'm so bad i can't remember but they've got all these like sub brands right and that was really new and and cutting edge like years ago when when they did a huge um uh, reshuffle and everything anyway fast forward to, to sort of over the last year or so You've got um, many more brands, like like you said, Nobody's Child is one of them. Um, I think, you know, they've done collabs with um, uh, makers like Ghosts. Um, they've done other ones with, I think, Jules as well. Um, they are, they bought, uh, they bought uh, Jaeger. And it seems to me that Jaeger is, is kind of getting integrated into the whole thing. So, you know, they, they're, they're making it just a more interesting offering. Then they're doing things like hiring stuff for formal occasions i think so yeah i think that's what that the idea of that is or you know hiring stuff out um doing the this this thing where you you know you can give back the clothes that you you know the baby clothes that you buy from m&s to them and then they give you a voucher um you know which is which is uh, you know it's not like you're gonna it's like a massive money spinner for for uh, the customers but it's better than nothing which is yeah. what you'd probably get if you tried to get rid of them any other way um so so yeah i mean i think that they're doing a lot of the things right and i think i think i saw um uh, some kind of news flash thing um come through when i was writing the um, daily today which was saying that um sadiq khan has given the go-ahead um, for M&S to um, knock down its its uh, Oxford Street store. Um, so, you know, all these things added together, um, it is good. I think that um, they're doing a lot of the right things and um, it's, it's, it's good to see. It's, uh, it's good to see that they are doing this. But then yeah. I suppose you then start thinking, okay, they've got all this stuff now. How can they maximise it and how can they you know, really turn things around and make things profitable because in, in some ways they have a, an advantage. Um, maybe, maybe it's something that Waitrose has as well in that no one goes there thinking I'm, a, I'm looking for a bargain. Not really. Uh-huh. You know, they go there thinking, well, you know, I like M&S. It's nice. Uh, you know, it's a nice, it's, it's as in it's, it's a relaxing place. I wouldn't say it's an exciting place to go, um but um you know it's not an adrenaline rush every every time you go into the, the menswear department or whatever um but um uh you know i mean i think well it maybe well no i won't i won't get into that but i you know i do think that it's it's an it's a nicest place and i think a lot of people will go however even if they don't go for the clothes and other and other stuff they will go for the food you know there'll yeah. be things like you know percy pigs you know that's that's always a good draw um, have you had those? No, I've, I was just thinking I've never had those. I don't oh. think I've even had a caterpillar or calling the caterpillar. Either. Oh, God. I tell you, I tell you what, you, you've not you, you've not lived. This is part <laughs> of your this is part of your education as being being in the UK is you must. It is. In fact, I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't made it law, uh, to be honest, <laughs> is to um, 
you know, is to is to have at least, at least try uh, Percy Pigs, and um, if at all possible, at some point, um, you know, if you have a birthday um, while you're here, is to have a Colin the Caterpillar cake. Yeah, I can I can recommend. Uh, I can recommend uh, Colin the Caterpillar cake. Um, should so... I get mine from Albi or um, where should I get mine from? Because my birthday, when my birthday comes up, I will definitely get a, a Colin the Caterpillar cake. Yeah, well, I think well, you, what you might do depends on obviously how many people um, you you decide to invite. But you could do a side by side taste taste test with Colin <laughs> Colin the Caterpillar and what is it? Is it Clarence or something? The 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 Aldi one? I forgot what the, what. The yeah, name I'm not is, sure. But... You could do, you could do like you know, be like a sort of Coke versus Pepsi. Yeah, maybe a uh, blind taste test and yeah. not tell people which one is which. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so there you go. Uh, a birthday idea for you and anyone else out there, for instance. <laughs> um, so so yeah, um, but yeah, I think it's 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 good. They're moving in the right direction, and hopefully, you know, they can continue to execute. Yeah. So um, anyway, on. I guess I'll talk about I've I've got to just introduce introduce my subject here because I'm actually quite excited about this whole thing. Um it's because um it's it's it involves epic games. Um and I think it is an quite literally an epic story, okay, because um because what has happened is Epic Games has got two billion dollars from Sony and Lego um, and they're going to be working together to build stuff in the metaverse. Now, I think that is a fantastic idea. They've got, you know, Epic Games with Fortnite has kind of already got its own kind of metaverse. So it's got it's got form there. But it's also got its Unreal Engine, which is the platform that loads of games developers use to develop their games. So that's really, really good. Um I think that um, obviously you've got Sony with distribution power and their, um, I guess that maybe their access points via their very popular consoles. Um, and then you've got Lego with its content, you know, mm-hmm. and I love the fact that you've got, you can use Lego obviously virtually, but there's, there's, it, it, there's a physical product as, as well. So you can have sort of digital and analog all mixed together in and out of the metaverse. I mean, I know I'm sounding like some kind of weirdo talking about this like this, but I just think it's really exciting. Um, and I think that um, it's particularly interesting as it comes not that long after Microsoft put in an offer uh, to buy Activision Blizzards of $75 billion. Oh. Everyone was going, wow, that's Microsoft getting into the metaverse. But, you know, I think that although... Um, the $2 billion that Epic Games has got from Sony and Lego sounds quite paltry in comparison to $75 billion. Um, $75 billion. Um, it's still a pretty fair amount of money. Um, and I think that there are three companies that really are excellent at what they do. And so I think that this will be good because the problem is, is that I, for, you know, I feel that, Microsoft has quite a mixed performance in terms of the, the 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 stuff that it buys. I think it's quite patchy in terms of what it does. So it, it pays top dollar because it's got loads of money, but then it doesn't seem to do anything. I mean, one of my sort of favorite examples of um, 
Microsoft doing something or buying something and then not really doing anything with it is is LinkedIn. Yeah. I mean, you know, you said it. Um, you said it before, and I'll say it as well because um, I. I, I, I probably I would say I have used LinkedIn properly for about I reckon twelve years, wow. maybe more. Yeah, I mean it's I've used it a lot. So I remember you know at the beginning it was all about um, essentially people were going uh, put essentially putting their, themselves out there as a CV, and when you were getting connection, I this sounds terrible. But I I used to get these connection requests from ex-colleagues thinking, oh, God, they're going to ask me for a job because that's what they would do. Yeah. So we go, oh, hey, mate, how's it going? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, oh, by the way, any any jobs going at your, you know, at your company? And I used to actually dread getting um, a connection request because I know that at, at that point, um, the company I, I was at was, yeah, we were going through quite a difficult situation yeah. with Morgan Stanley and things. And, and, and I, I remember thinking, I mean, like, I, I'm just trying to hang on to my own job here, um, you know, <laughs> let alone uh, try to get, get shoehorn someone else in. Um, so, you know, I, I remember at the beginning, it was like, oh, you get a connection request. You think, oh, my God, no, what are they going to ask for now? Um, and then, you know, we went through a whole, <laughs> whole stage of then seeing, um, uh, you know, posts uh, with these inspirational quotes posts, yeah. which I really, which I really hated. Um, you know, I'm sorry if if you like those out there. I'm sorry about it. Maybe I'm cynical. You know, gnarly and old. Um, but you know, a picture of a of a of a sunrise and someone saying something like hopeful just doesn't really do it for me. Um, there was a whole load of that going on. And then, you know, then I became a, a headhunter and, of course, I was spending all day, every day on LinkedIn all the time searching for people. And I look at it now and I feel it really hasn't changed that much apart from, I have to say, um, one of the things I think is interesting, I know we're sort of going a little bit off topic here, but um, one of the things I've noticed is there's a lot more... Um, raw feelings and um you know i'm going through this problem or I, you know this is my experience and yeah yeah there's a lot of that going on which i have never seen before um but you know it seems to me i, d I don't think that's got anything to do with microsoft i just think it's like the the uh, evolution of, of of linkedin on its own and i think going back to it sorry is, is that linkedin um you know sometimes it buys stuff and it does really well other times it buys stuff and it just doesn't seem to do anything. There's no, there doesn't appear to, given the size of the firm and the resources it has available, it just seems to me that it doesn't really, you know, go at things aggressively enough yeah. to make these things work well and differently. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that when you compare that, for example, to Apple buying a bunch of things and really making them look and feel like it's Apple, um, yeah, I think that there's Microsoft can do a lot better at um, actually doing things with the things that they buy, because after all, they, you know, they have so much money, they're buying so many things like they can do a lot with it. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree that even though I'm not a gamer at all, um, I this this story was really interesting because it, I think it could even be the end of gatekeeping the metaverse. So, yeah, yeah so like different like kind of tech giants chipping in and and taking advantage of it and i think that yeah. that, that would be good yeah no, absolutely so no i think this is um yeah it's it's an it's a very interesting story 
it's one that's going to keep developing. I suspect there's going to be more M&A and, and just general um, uh, investment uh, mm-hmm. in this area, and it will continue to develop. And I think that um, it will develop along with, um, you know, cryptocurrencies and things, because mm-hmm. in the metaverse, it makes sense to have a meta currency, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, exactly. So, um, so there you go. But anyway, um, I guess we bring it to a close there. But um, thank you very much indeed for your insights um, you. today. And, um, and thank you very much for listeners for listening. Um, sorry, I went a little bit off topic there on, on LinkedIn. But, you know, I've used LinkedIn so much over the years. I just couldn't help myself. So apologies for that. Uh, we'll be back again. I won't go off on one tomorrow. I you promise. tell interesting uh, stuff. <laughs> but, thank you you're, you're very kind um, and um and yeah thank you very much for listeners uh, for listening uh we'll be back again tomorrow so yes. many thanks bye bye bye